Hello and welcome to the My Favourite Film Podcast with me, your host, Gav Smith. This is episode two, which is going out on May the 7th, which just happens to be my birthday. So happy birthday to me. And as a strange coincidence would have it, it is also the birthday of my guest day, Miss Kirsty Ford. Happy birthday, Kirsty. I hope you have a good one. This conversation was recorded a couple of months ago. Our conversation is about the 2006 film, The Fall, by director Tarzan Singh. Presented by David Fincher and Spike Jones, they managed to get this film a worldwide release. It is very loosely based on a 1981 Bulgarian film called Yo-Ho-Ho. I won't go into that too much. Anyway, my conversation with Kirsty is a spoilerific conversation, as was last week's. To give you just a, a quick synopsis, it is about a stuntman called Roy who is injured doing a stunt involving a horse, a train, and a river, and a bridge. All of this is played out at the very start of the film. Whilst in hospital, he befriends a young girl who is in hospital with a broken arm by telling her a fantastical story about five mythical heroes led by the masked bandit. As the story goes on, the state of his fractured mind, mixed with the young girl's vivid imagination, make the stories become more and more fantastical, and the reality of their situation blurs into what is the fantastical tale. Just before we get into the conversation, this information is at the end, but you might not listen all the way to the end. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, please email me. The email address is myfavoritefilmpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to be part of the show, drop me a line. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at myfavefilm. Yes, couldn't get my favorite film because it's too long. Okay, so that's at my fave film. That's F-A-V-E in the middle. No spaces, all one word. Okay, if you want to follow us on Twitter, that is the Twitter address and the email, as I said, myfavoritefilmpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, so let's get into the spoilerific conversation with Kirsty. Hello, Kirsty. Should we start our conversation about the fall? Yeah. Um, first off, the fall. I had never seen it before at all. Um, but what a great film! Thank you for recommending it. I really did enjoy it. It was one of those films that I kind of thought, "What's this going to be about?" It sounds like nonsense, but actually, it was really, really good. Really enjoyed it. Um, so I'm going to ask you about it. What was it that made you go and? see this film or watch this film on video for the first time or whatever it was how you first got into it why did you go and see it well I actually I didn't go see it I think I missed it being released at the cinema but um some people might remember back in the day uh, there was a, a love film subscription where you would it. yeah so you would you would go online and you would look at the adverts and you would select certain DVDs to uh, to rent and they would send them to you in the post. Yep. And I think I saw that and I just thought, that is so random. I don't <laughs> understand what it's about, but just the, the scenery, the locations, they were so grand and so breathtaking. I was yeah. like, I need to know what that's about. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, it is. It is a, it's a beautifully shot film. It really is. Or at least I thought it was when I was watching it, as you obviously did. Yeah. So... What I mean, you've you've chosen it as being your favourite film. So, what about it? Is it just the the gorgeousness that makes it your favourite film, or is there some underlying, deep lying psychological thing that makes you want to, to watch it again and again? Um, I'll refer to the the many notes that I've been writing on it. <laughs> Good so stuff. I think the thing that I like about it is, on the face of it, it could just look like a sort of fantasy adventure film. Yeah. But actually, when you get into it, it's essentially a film about loss in various forms so you have Alexandria who's lost her, her father yep. and you've got Roy who's lost his fiance yeah um and then you know it's uh the heartbreak the the feeling of bereft the bereft kind of feeling and you know hitting rock bottom like life isn't worth living anymore yeah. um so it's got some like really dark adult themes you know there's manipulation going on there's um suicide assisted yeah. suicide yeah. um so um so there's all of these kind of like adult themes that sort of and this melancholy that is underlying throughout the film 
yeah. and it comes across in his storytelling and the, the way he changes it to to reflect how he's feeling or what what he's hoping to gain out of Alexandria and how he sort of manipulates her through the story. Yeah. But then towards the end, it's kind of like, you know, it's more about the sort of healing power of like human connection and how, you know, love and friendship in, in various forms, yeah. you know, can sort of, you know, help people. And it's sort of, it's an unlikely friendship, but it sort of leaves you with this feeling that, you know, like eventually those feelings will pass, things will get better and you matter to somebody. Yeah. Okay. So do you say it's like a healing to grief type of film? Is it is something like that? Or yeah. do you have you have you watched it lots of times? <laughs> what gave you that impression? Oh, no, I'm, I realise you have, but when when do you watch it? Do you watch it when you're feeling down? Do you watch it just any time? Or is it sort of, is it kind of a time in your life where you think I really have to watch that film again to bring myself back up? Or is it just a I'm putting it on because I want to. No, because it's not really a film that you could really class as being like a guilty pleasure. And it's no, it's not, it's not really like a, an easy watch. It's not something you could just have on in the background. You have no. to give it your full attention. I and agree. I think it draws you in. Like as soon as you see some of the landscapes yeah. and the, the buildings and things like that, it immediately draws in your attention anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think I use it more sort of, I don't know, you know, when you're first getting to know somebody and they want to get to know you. Yes. I think I'm like, well, if you want to get to know me, I think this this film probably is a really good reflection of my kind of personality. You know, right. like it's a really multifaceted film. You know, it has, you know, nods to and especially me being an 80s baby, 90s kid. I grew up <laughs> on films that were stories within stories, like yes. Never Ending Story and Princess yep. Bride. So this to me has that sort of nostalgic familiarity of those films, but with like a new sort of twist. Yeah. Like it even has like nods to the Wizard of Oz in that yeah. all the all of the people are, are characters that you've already met at some yeah. point a different form and I, I like I really liked that and yeah so I think there's there's the, you know there's something for everybody in there I obviously like because I can relate to sort of the mental health side of it I probably right. take it to a, a darker place than somebody <laughs> else might somebody else might be just like yeah I really like the fight scene or oh wow there's, there's a monkey but I, I would say probably don't get too attached to the monkey no, don't get um, monkey, you know <laughs> do not get attached to that monkey <laughs> Although he's a really good monkey. He is. He saves them. At least once he saves them. He's really good. I know the Wizard of Oz thing. I was going to mention that because I spotted it's such a likeness to that. Because the colour when they're in Roy's real world is yes. dull and dark. It's not quite black and white, but it's getting there. And yet when they go into the fantasy land or the storytelling land, it's very vibrant. It's technical. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. as you say, the characters all appear at some point at the end. You spot them all appearing throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and I think, like, even in the beginning, in the opening scene where you first see the hospital, it has that sort of, that saturated, like, sepia sort of nods to, like, the like golden age of Hollywood type yeah. thing. So it, it's, yeah, it's, and then you see the transition into the Technicolor. It's really, yeah. it's really good. It's really clever. It is, although the, the, the storytelling sequences all seem, I don't know, they're really staged in a very different way, the way the actors act in it and everything. They kind of do this whole robotic movements almost between <laughs> each other, like, that's happened? It's all very ex- exaggerated and, and movements. Um, really, I, I, like I said, that bit was, all the story was fantastic, but the way it links then to his own life, even him changing the lead character, because he says at some point, because he's talking to Alexandria about the lead character having the gap between his teeth. Yeah, like her dad. Yeah, because yeah, it's your father. But it's not my father. It, it's, it's you, so it becomes him during the course of that, which is just a great nod to what's going on in the rest of his world. The, the bit that gets me <laughs> is the bit when uh, you, she she's had, um, she's had a bit of a fright and an old man's trying to comfort her and he says, oh, you have to say the magic words, which yes. is googly, googly, be gone. And then that <laughs> ends up being this, like, chanted throughout this um, <laughs> yeah. this big... A cathedral type thing, yeah. all these people chanting and sw- and spinning around in circles, sh- like chanting "Googly Googly Be Gone." Yeah, <laughs> brilliant, isn't it? But there's parts in it which I couldn't work out whether or not 
Roy had stopped telling the story and then Alexandria had started telling the story. I think at the point where he's, he's, he's drugged completely and he's starting to fall asleep, he's starting to go right off. It's like he's, he's out and he's asleep at that point, but the story's still continuing in the background. Do you think that's then Alexandria taking the story? Is it all Roy telling this story or is it? No, I think it's a partnership between them both because right. when she has her accident, the the story it, it sort of flips between what has happened to her father and then you know there's all of this symbolism with the the horses yeah. falling and and Roy features in that as well and yeah. um so I think it's because we're essentially watching the story through Alexandria's imagination anyway yes. and that's yeah and I think the the scenery um, the locations and the buildings and everything just do such a good job of reinforcing yeah. that idea because everything's so exaggerated yes. that it could only be, you know, the product of a really wild imagination. Yeah. And that's another thing that I absolutely love about it. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is definitely all from the little girl's point of view. And she's a brilliant actress. Um, yeah. There's points there where I, I couldn't actually work out whether or not they'd just gone, just just say what you like, just react to whatever's being said. So it's like the, the guy playing Roy is obviously talking to her about whatever it is. And she just says all sorts of different things. And the way she says it is if I'm just making this up on the spot. So yeah, I, yeah, well, I uh, I researched it actually. Oh, did you? Yeah, because I'm a, a dark. Because um, <laughs> I wanted to see um whether you know whether it was special effects or whether it was real and it turns out it was actually shot over a period of four years throughout 20 different countries and they did rely on on location uh shooting rather than special effects apparently that was um uh, Tarzan Singh it was a big thing for him to to not rely on um on special effects and I was reading about her and it said that they would so that bit where there's just those two and they're sort of under the sheet or they've got the curtain pulled around them yeah that was to make it more intimate so she couldn't see the cast and a lot of the interaction was was natural and um it was a, a really fun fact well I don't know if it's fun it's dorky <laughs> but I liked it was the like bit where she miss miss um interprets the word morphine and she thinks that the e is a three yes that was a real thing that was a real miscommunication all oh, right she wrote it into the storyline all oh, right because that's such a that becomes a sort of major part that he wants yeah. three tablets back and he doesn't want three tablets he wants to kill himself effectively so he needs as many as he can get yeah and he is fuming yeah he is he's really annoyed at that point (laughs) yeah okay i didn't realize that was that was real i didn't spot that when i was doing my research you see i did see about the countries (laughs) because i I watched i watched all the credits i'm sad like that and the amount of locations that appear at the end of the credits every country has its own thing and it's just like wow there's loads of these i was writing them all down thinking i can't even think about how many there is there it's a shot all yeah, over the world. He like financed most of the films. If you look, I think the budget was 30 million and it only grossed like 3.7 million, which is a travesty, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. It's so underrated. Yeah. But he was saying that like he took advertising jobs in the places that he wanted to shoot. Right. So he could finance the film himself and he paid most of the cast like himself. Fantastic. No, because I mean, this, um, he just, he'd made the sell not long before this, hadn't he? Jennifer Lopez. So he'd, he'd done big budget films with big names. Have you ever seen The Cell? Um, no, I haven't actually. Right. Okay. It, it does I have, remember seeing it. It has a lot of the same sort of look to it. He obviously likes to have beautiful locations and have things that look really nice. It has that same sort of technical effect that all the storyland does, and it's all big landscapes throughout it. But he never made the money from that. I think you deserved to. And I guess that's probably why his next film, he then goes off and self-finances it. Yeah, I think he, he said his reasoning was that he wanted to make the film exactly how he envisioned it. And I mm. suppose, like, the, the I, I don't know, I guess the more um, third-party people that get involved, the more you have to sort of change it yeah. to, to suit their sort of requirements. Yeah, it's not... I suppose it's not the traditional studio movie. It has themes in it that the studios, American studios, certainly wouldn't like. And the way things go, I mean, all the characters getting, well, 
I have, I'm going to say at the start of this that it's spoilerific, so all the characters <laughs> dying pretty much at some point in the story, every major character gets killed off. I was trying to be so vague, but I see we're just going full spoilers. Just go full spoilers. Shall we start at the start of the film with what's going on, how it all happens, and then move on from that bit? Um, I know I had lots of things. I gave you a whole list of questions I was going to ask you, and I've barely asked any of them. You have, but I've kind of like amalgamated my answers. You have, haven't you? You've obviously written lots of notes about what I said. Well done. Three pages. <laughs> Three pages. Gosh, that's. I've got a lot to say about it. It's my favourite. Yeah, that, that's fine. Here, you know. Here's the fly the flag for the fall. And that was a weird sentence to say. Okay, so you've talked about the fact you rewatch it lots and lots and lots. Um, should we start at the start of the film then? Because it starts with this wonderful slow motion thing, which is obviously Roy's stunt that he never finishes because that's how he ends up in hospital. You see all this black and white stuff. I mean, when you when you see that scene, I must admit, I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen in this film. This doesn't seem like the introduction that I've I've read and what I'm expecting to happen. What were you thinking? Thinking that watching that? I mean, to be honest, I um I used to watch. I don't watch it as often now because um, I don't get time. But I was quite into world cinema, so right. seeing films like uh, like Delicatessen and and um, intacto and things like that. So uh, I always kept like an open mind anyway, and I always knew that the films that I picked were going to be weird. Right. Um, so I kind of just, I was just like, eh, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> just go for it. Yeah. yeah. So I was <laughs> like, I don't know what this means, but well, I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah, and it does. I mean, it explains, well, it does actually explain stuff. I think it does, but it takes a long time to explain why it he's in the like, yeah, it doesn't like the sort of snippets of conversation because yeah. obviously like the the conversation between him and his friend who has is also a stunt actor that's lost his leg. Yeah. It's in the conversations with him and the doctor. Yeah. Um so you, you sort of yeah, you, you hear snippets, but it's not apparent straight away, which I like films that don't just sort of give you everything on a plate, like you have to work for it and it's yeah. not all tied up in a neat little bow for you at the end. Yeah, yeah, it's not nothing spoon-fed to you. You have actually got to purposely watch everything that's going on to get any idea of what the story is, don't you? It's Yeah. And, and see the links between his story that he's making up for Alexandra as well as what's happening in the, the real world, I suppose. It all, yeah. all does fit together at some point. It just takes a long time to get there. So he then we then snip to Los Angeles in the hospital. And I think, do we meet Alexandria first? Yes. Running through the corridors and eventually finding her way to the, the men's ward, bizarrely. Um, she seems to have free reign to go wherever she likes in the hospital and no one seems to care. Yeah. Everyone seems to know her. because Later on, she's licking ice off the back of the ice cart and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Go, oh, yeah, you're fine. Go on, enjoy it. Um, and he then start talking about Alexandra the Great, don't they? Because Roy sees the name Alexandria and links that to Alexandra. And his first story is nothing like the story he then tells her later on, but it's still got that same wonderful landscape, huge scenery, really bright technicolors, and the same actors. I can't remember whether he's actually playing Alexander at that point, or whether it's. I don't father. think he is. I is think. She hasn't sort of, she's only barely paying attention, isn't she? Because when we meet her and when we, well, when we meet Roy, it's because she's written a note in, in, so she's from India and she's learning English and she's written a note to her favourite nurse, Nurse Evelyn. And it's flown through the window and landed on Roy's lap. That's right. So she's gone to find it and he says, do you know who else? Was he was sending a message as well, Alexander the Great. Yeah, that's so he's trying it. to like get her attention by linking her to to somebody. Yeah, because that, that letter is then actually in her little dream sequence that or her imagination version of the story that Roy's telling. Yeah, when he opens up the message, it's her message, isn't it, on the paper with lots of holes cut in it for some bizarre reason. But yeah, it is still her message. I'm trying to think what happens then because then you kind of go back to she disappears off again and then it's the next day she comes back and he starts telling this story of odious who was obviously the actor that is stealing 
or has stolen his fiance, which we find out later on. Um, and you then get the whole story of the five men on the island and them swimming to where they need to be and the Indian coming out of the water and all that type of thing. And, yeah. and the, link, the link again to Alexander the Great by the elephant coming in and swimming because obviously elephants. Um, what that scene there then, because this is now the start of the, the actual story that he's going to tell, the story of the masked bandit and his revenge that they're seeking on Odious. And he goes through all the five characters and how they all want revenge on Odious for whatever reason and why they've been stuck on this island. What's your thoughts on that particular scene and how that builds up and how he starts that story? Um, I think he does really well, considering he's making it up on the fly to, uh, <laughs> to include such a, a broad range of characters. It's incredibly diverse. But yeah. then I love the fact that, you know, there's still um, there's still real historical figures in there. You've got yes. Charles Darwin, yeah. randomly. Um, and then obviously you've got a slave. Um, so it touches on sort of, you know, real historical events, but they're always with this sort of like exaggerated yes. twist, like this made up twist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I don't think that Darwin did go around wearing such a, a massive fur coat. Maybe <laughs> he did. We'll never know. Hey, do you know what? I, I hope he did. It's a fantastic coat. <laughs> but then as he so when he's sort of making up the story, so he he's saying that um, he has to give reasons for the mall as to why they want retribution. Yeah. And, and so then it's him sort of linking elements of that and so and using that to try and like um, further the story. So he ties the butterfly that Charles Darwin wants to find. And then it's, oh, yeah, they're on Butterfly Cove and the island yeah. ships like, to fly and so it's like oh yeah I can put this in oh yeah, yeah. she likes butterflies I'll put this in yeah, and it's but... all to try and keep her interest and try and draw her in so that ultimately he can manipulate her into doing something for him yeah because it is all it's that first part of the story is all about him manipulating it which he does tell her later on doesn't yeah. he? he says that that's why I was doing this I mean there's lots in that first bit there's some like some of the the scenes that you see with them telling their story is so there's a bit where the labyrinth of despair, where he chucks them into the labyrinth of despair, and it's just it's the oh, squall, yeah, yeah. What a fantastic bit of scenery! Uh, yes, that's the. But squall. notice how they. Sorry, I interrupted no, you. No, go on. go on. I was just going to say, but notice how the majority of the characters, in mm. fact, all of them, they all lost someone or something, and that yes. you know that is just an, another sort of. You know, it just reinforces the um, the heartbreak and the yeah. the despair that Roy is obviously feeling. That you know, it's all you know coming out in his storytelling. You know, yeah. hit rock bottom. You, you know, lost everything that you love. So therefore, these characters are all gonna like have lost something that they love. Yeah, the, yeah, it is. It's all, they're all they've all lost something. Whatever it happens to be, whether it be a butterfly or yeah. their love or whatever their lives and everything so yeah there's some yeah there's some interesting characters that are in here in this story that he's then going to tell which he then tells over the space of however long it's going to be i must admit the when the black knights pop up they remind me so much of monty python it was unbelievable but you notice it's the guy going into the furnace that she's terrified of. Yes. And it was like the first sort of thing that really stood out to me. I was like, oh yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. I didn't notice the individual characters until I thought on it or maybe watched it a few times, but there was definitely certain scenes where I was like, yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah, I saw I did see that when when I first saw the Black Knight in his story, I hadn't made the connection. I thought I've seen them before. But it's then at the very end when she sees him coming down the corridor again, he goes off into is it the furnace or the x-ray room? Oh, x-ray, sorry, yeah. It will Yeah. It's to protect him from radiation, isn't it? Because they'll be on lead, yeah, wearing lead. Yeah. yeah. But then when he walked him, oh, you're not a black knight at all. You're wearing but the it do look like the knights of Nick, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh the first time because they were fighting against each other and they just thought, bring me a shrubbery. But <laughs> I thought that was going to come up, but it didn't. What are your standout scenes? What are the ones that you, if you had to watch just 
you know, two or three scenes where you couldn't watch the whole thing, would there be some that just, these are the ones that I must always see, or if you're showing it to someone, make sure you pay attention at this scene or this scene? Oh, um, in my answer that I'd written down, <laughs> I got a bit basic <laughs> and I just picked the Chand Bowery. Right. Because I just, um, it, it, for, for good and bad reasons, obviously, right. Wallace, R.I.P., yeah, um, <laughs> gone but never forgotten. But I like that um, the the sort of maze like stairwell. I, I found really yeah. just like I, I just can't believe that such a thing really exists in real life. But apparently, it's been used in quite a few films. It's been right. used for that night rises and stuff, oh, right, which okay. I'll have to look back on. I will um, as well now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. so you've got that that image of like um, Darwin in his you know, fluorescent um, fur coat. Yeah. And then you have the the Chand Bowery and all of these soldiers just appearing from nowhere and yeah. running up and down them and, and um, weaving around. And um, and you get this sense of, like, urgency, like, you need to move now. But obviously he's mourning the loss of Wallace. Yes. Um, but And I, I had that, um, that still as a, a background on my laptop. All oh, right for um, many years because I, I just thought it was really captivating yeah it, it, oh, that's it's a, a fantastic scenery again it's one of those points where you just think this is an amazing location that he's found um and the fact that all these locations really exist you could do a, a tour around the world couldn't you once we get out of this that's exactly what i thought someone needs to make that yeah yeah the, the fall tour yeah, and you could just you could fly all around the world and look at all these different bits of scenery and things because they're amazing. They are absolutely amazing locations. Just thinking this again. Uh, so is that is that your sort of your main clear? That's the bit that I really love. Or is there other bits that kind of because that's obviously from his his story. Is there yeah. any other bits in the story or outside the story you think that's a really important part? That's something that is a must see. I think just the bit you know like. Once she's had the accident and, you know, he's clearly, he's had a telling off. Yeah. Uh, but obviously he's realised now the consequences of his actions and how, you know, he his manipulation has, has injured this child yes. who has just followed him willingly and blindly because she she's his friend she just yeah. wants to help him help yeah. him sleep as he's, he's told her um and he you know he's emotional and then be, you know because he sort of admits to her then that it was a manipulation and and yeah. you've sort of you've pieced the puzzle together and you you know why he wants to do that you know that it's because his girlfriend's left him for the leading man of the stunt that he yep. was stuntman for and now he's laid up in hospital potentially never going to walk again so that's obviously um, impacted him greatly as well um but then yeah it's the it's the emotion that runs through that scene as it's sort of it's um jumping back and forth from the story to them and you know, yeah. he's killing off all the characters and she's begging him not to kill them. Yeah, and yeah. You know, it, it's hopeless. It, it, no one can help them. And, and But really what he's saying is, it's hopeless for me. I feel hopeless. No one can help me. Yeah. Don't bother trying. I'm a lost cause type thing. But she refuses to give up on him. Yeah, and it's her then her refusal to give up on him that makes him change the story and... Yeah. Make, it, make it end with a, a happy ending but obviously he ends up being with nurse Evelyn not with his fiance. that's just because Alexandria doesn't know what his girlfriend looks like but she knows nurse Evelyn right and that's why he pick, she pictures her but she does meet his fiance as she's coming through the car park at one point she's sitting in the car crying her eyes out yeah I'm not sure whether Alexandria knows who she, she just is doesn't recognize that, right? right okay because there was some, I don't know. I don't know. It, I did, couldn't work out at that point whether that was they'd put that bit in later on and it then didn't fit in with the rest of the story or whether they were trying to make more of Evelyn's story. Because Evelyn obviously is having a, an affair of some sort with one of the doctors. Yeah. We only hear audio cues of. And the <laughs> fact that I think Alexandria says at one point, I, I saw them together. Um, yeah. I think she says, you know, she's a liar too, and whatever else. 
do you see yourself in any of the characters in this film? So is the one or two or is it, are you amalgamation of them or? I mean, yeah, I think, you know, like we've all experienced loss and we've all struggled and, and things like that. So I can, can relate to, to Roy and then, you know, I do, I do sort of have a whimsical side of me. And like I said, like those kind of films were always my favourite as a kid. And, yeah. you know, my mum always used to tell me that I <laughs> I had an over, um, overexcited imagination or something <laughs> like that. Um, so I guess I just, I just like the, the innocence of her and, you know, she's, she's mischievous and... Yeah. And, and fearless, considering you know she's in a a different country, yeah, and she doesn't fully know the language, and she's in hospital because she's broken her arm. Yeah, she's still like she's completely unfazed by any of that. Yeah, yeah, she does seem to be very because she does just wander around the hospital wherever she wants to go and <laughs> yeah, just talks to whoever. And, yeah, just make friends with everyone because everyone she meets is then someone that's in her story. Obviously, as you said, the guy with the ice. Who I think's the slave. Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she she licks that ice quite a lot as she goes through. And the ice comes up in a couple of other it, occasions with water and things in the Yeah. The story, and the soldier licking the ice as a way to torment them all in the final yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah. The torture. There's lots of cuts between the scenes that cut beautifully. The, the thing you said before about the the island that it's shaped like a butterfly, and you do see Darwin's butterfly and it's there with a pin in it, and that then transforms into the island. And another point, I think it's when is it when they're supposed to be supposed to be marrying Evelyn and the the, the priest's face, yes. and they then get caught and the, the the where they're caught and they end up being it's the transition from the priest's face to the the desert, and the desert mirrors that face perfectly as they go into the transition stays like that. What's your opinion of those ways that he emerges those bits of the story to the next bit? I mean, I just yeah, I just love all of it. I think it's so clever. Everything is intentional. Yeah. Everything is so well thought out. Everything is placed there for a reason. And yeah, I just I, I think it's it's fantastic. And it's one of so it, because they've layered so many little I, I guess you would call them Easter eggs. Maybe I'm not yeah. sure. Like, but it it means that you can watch the film over and over again and you'll like you'll miss stuff the first time oh, yeah. around and then you'll so it, it sort of keeps your interest i guess it, like you, it makes you want to watch it again because you know that you'll have missed stuff the the mystic when they first meet the mystic he says i've got all the birds in my tummy or something along those lines all the birds in my stomach and then when they kill him at the end he opens his mouth and all the birds all the birds come out fly out of him which is just fantastic the way that and that link, because I'd kind of forgotten it when he said mm. the first time, and then when it happens, like, ah, it's because all the birds are inside him. Yeah, and he loses his teeth, and that's how he loses his strength, and that's because Roy's told her about the old man with the dentures. Yeah. And yeah. that's where he keeps his strength. Yeah, because he is the old man, isn't he? Yeah. Although he's got a wig on and whatever else, and he's in the dreams, but he is the same actor who's playing him throughout. Is it strength or is it soul? I can't remember. It's one of the two. I think it's strength. I think he says strength. I'll try and remember, to be honest. It's, you know, you've seen it more than me. You should be able to remember. <laughs> well, note to the listeners, it's either strength or it's soul. I can't quite remember, but it's one of the two. It's one through strength or soul. I think it's strength. I think you're right with strength, to be honest. There you go. So just to, because I think you, you said what, like, do I feel that I can relate to the characters yes. or something? I think it's more... It's like, yeah, so probably more so Roy, but I think it's more the 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 style of film that it is. It sort yeah. of has all of these different elements of films that I would like. So it has like the whimsy, it has the action, it has the, the you know, a fantasy adventure, but it also has the sort of like poignant drama. So it, right. it transcends all of these sort of different genres, I think, that are all separately ones that I enjoy so I think that's why I enjoy the film so much is because it's it's like an all-in-one really trying to go through the story a little bit so he's basically telling the story of the masked bandit that's his storyline this story of the masked bandit who starts off as being Alexandria's father and then turns into him um I think he turns into him as he's 
pledging vengeance for the death of his brother, doesn't he? With that yeah. wonderful sign with the, the bloodied flag, which he's got his brother wrapped up in, puts his hand on it, it becomes completely red and then starts rising up from the ground and they do a wonderful shot back. But then, and then, like, briefly, because she catches him out because he can't keep up with sort of the the yarn that he's spinning. So yes. he, she's like, why is he talking like that? I thought he was Spanish. Yes. And he's like, oh, no, he, he, he's French. <laughs> yes, because he changes his voice, doesn't he? Because he can't, <laughs> yeah. can't cope with it, yeah. Part of this, this the, the way he was talking was because he was trying to do an impression of her dad, I suppose, wasn't he? Yeah. And then when he decides he's not going to be her dad, he, he does different Because voices. her dad's dead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which she tells him in no uncertain terms. <laughs> and then later on, he obviously, Alexandria refers to the character in the film or that when her, as a little girl, she appears in the story, doesn't she? Because mm-hmm. she's, she's not there until the end when they suddenly go, that's why the sack was so heavy. Because she escapes from the, the sack and appears as a, a new mini masked bandit, but then refers to the masked bandit as being her father, which I kind of thought was when Alexandria was definitely taking over the storytelling. Yes. Because Roy's then at that point, he's he's given up on life, hasn't he? Yeah. And he just wants to die at the bottom of the pool with Odious punching him in this very shallow water. Um, because he can't swim. Right at the very opening scene when they're on the island, it says that the masked bandit can't swim. Oh, yeah, that's why they have to get the elephant, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Of course, yes, he can't swim, yeah. So then she comes out to try and save them, and she's referring to him as father at that point. And he says, I'm not your father. But there's a definite, it then sort of, at the end, it ends with Roy has gone back to his life as a stuntman, and her mother's telling him, telling Alexandra all about it. Do you think it's somewhere in Alexandria's head she wants Roy to be that father figure to her and, you know, look after her? And is that where that part of the story is coming from? Or Yeah, I think I've probably taken that at face value, really. Right. I think just because there's, a level of care that is obviously an affection that's developed between them. His him begrudgingly and her quite, you know, open and willingly. Yeah. Um. And yeah, maybe so. Maybe she would. She would like him to be some kind of father figure to her or something. Um. I don't know whether it was just a, a way to sort of. I don't know, maybe tug on his heartstrings a bit, like, and, and a way to introduce her into the storyline. Right. Maybe it was, like, the first thing she thought of type thing. Right. Um, You know, because she's young and sort of, you know, it's, she's not going to overly complicate a storyline. Yeah. Um, But maybe it was a way to make it sort of more emotive. So I'm not just a random person to you. I'm yeah. your daughter. I mean something to you. Yeah. I don't want you to die. So you have to live for me. Yeah. Which is quite clever on her part, really. It's quite oh. emotionally manipulative. And it's like, ha, two can play that game, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because he's been manipulating her all along. So now she's going <laughs> yeah. What are the sort of, because you say you've written lots of notes. What is there any other sort of parts of the film that you really want to discuss and you want to talk about and you have sort of fondness for in some way yeah i could just talk for ages about the uh <laughs> about the various locations like they just they just take my breath away yeah just and then reading about it um apparently you know we, we spoke about his um his refusal to sort of use special effects apparently the, yes. the blue city he gave all the residents uh, paint so that they could repaint all their houses blue. Wow. And that's why it's so vivid. So it's like, you know, hashtag no filter. I think they were already blue. He just gave them paint to freshen them up. Freshen them, right. So to make them look a bit nicer than they were already. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not particularly well traveled. Um nope, I, you, know, I've, I've, you know, I've done I've done my fair share of traveling. <laughs> you know, I'm not like someone who's been sort of globetrotting. No. And so to see those places and know that they really exist makes me want to get out there and see more of the world because I just Absolutely. honestly can't believe that those kind of things exist. Yeah. Uh, as you say, there, there's some fantastic locations. And if you look at all the different places that you visit, that the Butterfly Island at the start, 
the seas around that are just absolutely beautiful. I'd love to go swimming there because it's just so clear and fresh. And the, and then there's the the Labyrinth of Despair. That's a wonderful bit. And if you say that's been used in other films, then it's obviously something that's... Uh, I, the Labyrinth of Despair is a different one. I think the, oh, right. it's Chand Bowery that's been used in um, ah, A Dark right. Night and something else, right. I think. Yeah. But that is quite labyrinth-like. It is. I wonder if it's the same place, because they look very similar. Uh, but Yeah, maybe so, actually, maybe so. Different parts of the same place, I suppose they could be, couldn't they? I'm just going to kind of try and go back to the story, to where we're up to. So we've got all these bits of the story. We've got the five men who are seeking their revenge on Odious. Um, we then have the introduction of the mystic as being a sixth man who also wants revenge on Odious, because he's destroyed all of the lands that his people came from. Um, and he swallowed all the birds, uh, and he's in the burnt tree, which is quite a bizarre scene. One of the, it, the mystic is the only part of the film that has any, I suppose, horror to it. Mm, yeah, that's good. That that's a bit frightening because when he comes out of that tree at the start, that's that's quite a scary bit. The way he comes out of the tree, the tree's on fire, and he's got all the roots pulling off his hair, and so on. Um, and his death seems quite upsetting as well. Yeah. Like it's quite brutal. Yeah, very brutal. I mean, he gets beaten on the ground, kicked and beaten, and then does he get his throat cut when he's against the tree, or they're just stabbing him on the tree? I can't. They just, they're, yeah, I think they're hacking at him. They're hacking at like, him. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, it's really, and because you're feeling all of these things already, because uh, you know, like it's getting really emotional. Like Roy's you know, really having a, a breakdown and, and yeah. it's affecting Alexandria. Yeah. Um, so it's already like a really highly emotional part. And then to have have people killed in such a brutal way, like the, the bit that really gets me is like the, the slave, like when he falls over and lands on the arrows. Yes. Yeah. Because he's he saved the mini-mass bandit. Yeah. Trying to save the mystic. Um, and all the arrows have shot down on him, and then he falls down on the big pile of them. And yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's, quite, it's it, it does get very brutal towards the end there with all of the different yeah. Things. And there's like it, it it's um sort of like it's a it's a tug of war, isn't it? And Roy's really escalating it, and I think he's purposely like making it as upsetting as possible yes. and there's Alexandria like desperately trying to claw back like a little bit of like happiness and stuff and trying to save everything from falling apart which is yeah. a lot to put on a six-year-old shoulders it, it certainly is yeah 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 it, it start because it does start off slightly more tongue-in-cheek I suppose because the the American guy who's got the dynamite you know he, all of them follow him into a building and he's then got all dynamite and he's caught and he blows them all up which, although gruesome for him from the point of view he's died, it, it's very tongue-in-cheek. And again, I suppose quite Monty Python in all these yeah. black knights chase him in and then realise he's going to blow them all up and everything falls down. But then it does, as you say, it escalates then. Everyone after that point dies horribly, um, including Odious, who <laughs> <laughs> who looks like yeah. he's got away with it, but... Then who is very um did you not think again like it ties back to the wizard of oz where throughout the whole story they've built up this mysterious unseen figure and then in the end it's just a man yeah. just an average man and yeah. even even his death is so underwhelming and is, you it? know so almost stupid like falling on his own sword which, which he is, placed, you know which he places in the most bizarre way on the side <laughs> yeah. When he put it down, thought, nah, something's going to happen there, isn't it? Because yeah. the place it facing over the water, you're then going to get in and fight against someone. It just seemed a bit yeah. stupid to me. <laughs> well, yeah, he is. Yeah, I suppose it does come back to that same thing. There was it was, and he's just the man behind the curtain, isn't he? Yeah, but he's had such a, an impact on an effect on Roy. Yeah. You know, he's, he's this, I don't know what the word is. Is it like omnipresent or something? Yeah, something yeah. so big and, destru and destructive yes. in Roy's life. But then, like, when you get to the end of it and, you know, he's at rock bottom, you realise that all of this was just because of, you know, people, just people hurting people. Yeah. Yeah. Because is it, because I couldn't work this bit out, actually. 
the, the stunt that he does where they're going to be jumping off the train onto the horse, isn't it? Or jumping into the water off the train with the horse. Yeah. Is, is that the, the lead actor's idea to do that stunt in order to basically bump Roy off so he can steal the leading lady for himself? I'm not sure that that's the reason. I think it was to... Um, I think they the reason that they got back in from the production company or something was because the film had been sold on that one stunt and they were hoping right. that that was what was going to draw the crowds in. Yeah. Because then, in the very end, they obviously don't use that stunt in the final film because the, the sort of end scenes is them watching the film, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and they do say at one point, the scene's not even used because he starts these cold sweats when that scene's about to come up and then he comes out of it and it's like, they didn't even use my scene after all of that. So yeah, the whole, what a in the teeth. Yeah, yeah, the whole film <laughs> at that point, he's gone through all of that. They didn't even use it. We've got Odious dying, where everyone dying in very nasty ways. Um, but Alexandria pulls it back and so pulls him back from the brink of his absolute despair to make a nice, happy, cheerful ending to the story where he gets the girl. Uh, even though he doesn't really get the girl, but he gets. Oh to... no, he tells the girl to jog on, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. A necklace over the uh, over the wall and tells yeah. her to go get it. <laughs> yeah, and gets instead a daughter, which is yeah. how it is his nice ending that he gets a daughter out instead of getting the girl. So he gets the little girl as his daughter rather than getting a love interest. Um, we then flick to the the film and the show them watching all watching the film. That's when you you really get that Wizard of Oz moment because he's one, he's got a little dog. He's holding his little dog, Toto. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you then see each of the characters that are in his story appearing watching the film in some way or other from the stuntman with the wooden leg getting the arrow in it and then he's watching it and Darwin's there and the slave's there and everyone's watching the film. And then Alexandria tells the story of how Roy went back to Hollywood to be a stuntman. And you get a wonderful montage of all the greatest stunts in all the black and white films that were ever done. Yeah, and Roy's the one that's done them all. <laughs> yeah, and Roy, it's supposed to be Roy every single one, even though they obviously weren't. But um, she obviously believes that they are, which is just a, a nice sort of ending, I suppose, Roy's story in that he does have a happy ending. How, is that the nice sort of studio ending that you think it deserves or it needs? That brings back that whole what you're saying at the start that, you know, you see this as being a film of loss and gaining stuff. Is that then the nice happy ending to say everything will be all right in the end? I think, I think it was really important for the film that it ended in a positive way because it's kind of that weird, as we'd spoken about, it was kind of, it, it's sort of a, a darker film dressed up as a kid's film. So right. I think you know, it didn't want to lose that innocence. And I think it probably would have done had something really tragic happened to the main character. And also if we're sort of thinking about like symbolism or or whatever, the, the story that he's describing is a journey. All of the characters are on a journey to find the emperor and really both of the main characters are on a journey as well. Yeah. Like Roy's on this journey through like heartbreak and reaching rock bottom and then sort of like um, overcoming that and, and getting on with his life. Yeah. And Alexandria is on that journey through like childhood. Yeah. And also sort of like, you know, coming to a new country and things like that. So there's like all of these repeated um all of these different types of journeys that are happening throughout the film. And also I think it says a lot about uh, different types of friendships and how, you know, some people can come into your life at a certain point and they might not be in it for very long, but they make like a really big impact on you. And I think those two people had a very big impact on each other in quite a small amount of time. And at the end of the film, you kind of feel like they're probably not really going to see each other again, yeah. but they've shared this experience that was really special and that, you know, meant a lot to both of them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. To sort of sum off the whole 
podcast. Can you sell this film to me in about 30 seconds to tell me why anyone should watch this film? So I think it's a poignant drama about love, loss and friendship disguised as a fantasy adventure film um, with some of the most breathtaking landscapes you're ever, ever likely to see. Excellent. That's that's a good way under, but it was way under 30 seconds. Yeah. But hey, do you know what? It it worked. Thank you very much for introducing me to this film. It is a film that I think I probably will rewatch and I will possibly recommend to other people. So that's a good thing. Excellent. My job is done. It certainly is. You have won someone over at least with it. See if you win anyone else over. So thank you very much for your time. I hope you've enjoyed it, talking about this film. I have. Um, Thank you very much for asking me. That's quite all right. Tell all your friends that it's not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's it. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks to Kirsty there for our chat about The Fall. In next time's episode, I'll be talking to Ravinder Kalirai about the film First Blood. Here's Rav's 30-second advert on First Blood. First Blood is the ultimate action film, the precursor to all films you'd ever see afterwards. It's a psychological thriller. It's got a dark tone to it. It's it's a chase film. It's a, a hunted versus hunter film, turning a, a turnaround film. It's also a very clear message throughout the film. If you're into the, what's happening at the moment, it's it's very up to date with the situation at the moment. And it's one of those ones where you, from the minute you start watching it, you won't realise you've finished and it's finished until it actually has finished. That'll be next time for episode three. I'll see you then. Bye for now. Finally, thanks to Acast for hosting the website and to Max Smith for the theme tune composition. To get in touch with the podcast, remember that website is www.myfavoritefilm.com.